Welcome to Mental Makeover Radio, your go-to destination for meaningful conversations about mental health. I'm your host and your trusted therapist bestie, Cecilia Manella. Join us as we explore the complexities and messiness of human experience by addressing your questions and concerns. I'm here to provide a straightforward and practical therapy advice. So grab your favorite beverage, whether it's tea, coffee, or whatever tickles your taste buds, and get ready to embark on a mental makeover. Hello and welcome to Mental Makeover Radio. I am Cecilia Manella and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Welcome to our episode today. We we are diving into talking about connection. So connection and relationships, just connection in your entire life. And we're going to dive into a question from Sharon. So Sharon says, I have been with my partner for six years and we have a really good relationship but I've been feeling really disconnected for the last few years. How can we build connection again? So thank you, Sharon, for your question. I know that this is going to resonate with so many people and from any relationship, not just an intimate relationships, but we can all feel disconnected in any of the relationships that we are in, whether that's ranging from intimate partners to friendships to basically like family relationships to any relationships that we have. So it's really normal and very typical for us to have experiences of disconnection. And there's really so much I get so much I can say about disconnection and connection because basically I spend my days helping people build connection to themselves and building connection with others. And this appears in all relationships. None of us are immune to disconnection. And the first step is realizing that all relationships are really complex and require our attention. So I want you to know that you're not an anomaly because you're having some disconnection in your relationships. And in fact, I'd say that every single relationship has had some season, at least of disconnection. Um, I want to really start off the conversation by being really clear that this topic can be really, really complex and I'm breaking it down into some bite sizes and I don't want it to be the blame game in any relationship. So if you're listening to this, it's not about blaming any one of the partners at all. Um, It is really about engaging in this conversation very openly. We can quickly get into the position of scorekeeping. So keeping a running tally of all the small and also the really big things that our partner does, accumulating this list to show them, you know, that they're the problem and that if they just change the way they're doing A, B, and C, then everything would be amazing and everything would be perfect. But the truth is, is that both partners play a role in this dance of disconnection, uh, which means both partners also have a role to play in the repair of the disconnection. Both people have to participate in creating a safe space to foster and grow more connection. Okay. So I want that to be really clear when we start this conversation. I believe, and I could totally be wrong, but this is my belief on this, is that the greatest threat to intimate partner disconnection um, and that really the threat that really creates this disconnection is actually at the beginning, the beginning of all relationships when you start dating. So if the foundation of a relationship is built on shaky ground, then there's more space for small cracks of disconnection to show up. No different than in a foundation of a house, it's really important to make sure the foundation is really great or else, you know, the whole house is kind of built on something that's a little bit shaky. So we often think about relationships 
when, when disconnection shows up, we think about the immediate moment. So in this moment in time today, I feel really disconnected. So something must be wrong right in this moment. But the truth is that relationships don't really work that way. They work in this ever increasing building up to something. And often it's small little things along the way that, you know, compound and compound and compound into the point that one person in the relationship or both people in that relationship pay attention to it, to this disconnection that shows up and they think it's just in this moment moment. And we don't stop to think about the history of that relationship. And I believe that it's really the foundation that actually is part of the problem. And I find this in the work that I do with couples. You know, what creates this kind of shaky ground? What I notice is falling for unspoken, unrealistic expectation of what makes a healthy relationship. What do I mean by this? I'm talking about all the rom-coms. I'm talking about the movies and the shows that tell us, you know, what love is supposed to be um, and what it's supposed to look like. You know, the up and down chase, the one person who isn't really, you know, ready to commit and needs convincing. It's the roller coaster of conflict styles that end with makeup sex and everything else that's part of this deal with the, all these messages that we're being bombarded with doesn't really represent a healthy, loving connection. And why is that? Why is, you know, everything that we mostly see not a representation of healthy relationship? And my answer is because, you know, connected love is really boring and boring isn't sellable. You know, it's much more exciting to have the roller coaster ride of, you know, the anxious attachment style with, you know, the avoidant attachment style, which I went into in my last episode is this kind of roller coaster where secure connected love is actually not that interesting generally. So it's not really sellable, right? So my first tip around how to build connection in a relationship is to audit the beginning. You know, I want you to grab a journal or, you know, make some notes on your phone or something and, and keep track of some of these questions. You know, you, what was it like when you were first dating with your partner, what did you really enjoy? What was the, you know, what's the foundation of that relationship? What drew you to this person? Why did you pick this person to be your person? It's really important to dive into these things because chances are, you know, you're just human. So there are some unrealistic expectations of what love and connection were supposed to look like. And when your relationship doesn't mimic this vision that you have or have had in the past, you feel kind of dissatisfied. So disconnection is really rooted in this dissatisfaction, but it's also important to explore the origin of this dissatisfaction. Is it based on what's happening in this current moment? Or, you know, is it based on what you think should happen or should have happened you know what is it that's really you know leading this to you to go into the space of disconnection dissatisfaction so asking yourself what creates this, this sense of dissatisfaction for me what expectation am i holding on to that maybe isn't really realistic now i'm not saying you need to let go of all the expectations because that's not a thing at all. We actually need expectations and relationships and they need to be really, really clear with our partner. But what I'm asking you is to explore those expectations and then decide if they're serving your happiness or not. For example, if I'm talking about myself, I have the expectation of kindness in my relationship and I'm looking for evidence of kindness. And if I see something different from that, then it's going to bring a sense of dissatisfaction in my relationship. Okay. But if I have the expectation of my partner being, let's say in a good mood all the time, 
then I'll always be disappointed and dissatisfied because humans are allowed to have bad days. I have bad days. My partner has bad days. Everyone's got bad days and I'm kind of moody and he's kind of moody sometimes too. And that's totally okay. But you know, we can be kind when we're having a bad day and we can be kind even when we're in a bad mood. So those two things are very different. And this is why auditing your expectations is really important because I'm really curious about what you're going to find, you know, ask yourself if your expectations are realistic and if they line up with your values. So it's not about not having high expectations because I get that a lot of the time. Like I don't want to lower my expectations, Cecilia, because I really want to have these high expectations. Totally great. Have all the expectations you want, have them as high as you actually want them to, but ask yourself, are they in line with my values of who I am as a person on this planet? Or are these expectations so unrealistic that no one's actually ever going to meet them? Is it a setup for failure? Is it a setup for dissatisfaction all the time? Or is there, is there potentially a setup for success here? So if they aren't in line with your values, then you have the power to change these things. It's not like they're written in stone and have to stay this way forever and ever. You can change your expectations to better suit your values. And you can change your expectations to suit what you want out of a connected relationship. So they don't need to stay stagnant. That's the other part of it is that on these rom-coms or these movies or these messaging that we get or books that we read, is we just kind of get the super exciting part. We don't get the other part of it that we actually get to change our expectations or adapt along the way. Okay. So the other way that we're really misled is that the chase is really exciting. Like the dating, the beginning, everything is really great and fun and new and novel. And um, we're telling our friends about it and we're telling our girlfriends and we're, you know, bragging to the guys about it. And, and we're having all these conversations and we're just like ooing and aahing and everything's so novel and exciting. But once we're settled into a relationship, things just aren't as exciting anymore. They aren't as new anymore. And it becomes a little bit predictable. Okay. And again, you know, culturally in our society, we're told a lot that predictability is boring. And in fact, sometimes, you know, there's some stuff out there on social saying predictability is actually a red flag. But, you know, I want you to think about is predictable love, you know, safe love. And I would say, yeah, like, what if, what if predictable love was actually a safe thing and something to be really excited about? Um, because I want you to think about in building connection that you need to redefine what that means for you. So again, connection is a word that's out there and what it means to everyone is very different. And I want you to ask yourself, what does connection mean to me? Uh, what makes me feel connected to my partner? Is it the small acts of kindness or is it the big trips? Is it sharing household responsibilities or is it uninterrupted dinners together? Is it putting our phones away? Is it when we go out for walks or is it when we are on vacation together? Do we need to be on a beach to feel connected? Like, you know, write a list of all the things that make you feel connected in a relationship. And in that you're going to find the key of what can, what you want and what you need in a relationship. So get really, really specific and write this all down. And I don't care how small and minute it feels or how repetitive it might feel because there's going to be a theme in there that is going to tell you what you need in order to feel connected. Now, 
if I were to write this list, I know that my theme would be um, quality time. Um, and it would be, you know, closeness, proximity, physical contact, you know, spending time with somebody is really important. So I want you to get really, really specific. And what you're going to realize in this list that there are many ways in which you can feel connected to your partner. And in those ways, you can share that list with your partner. So they actually know what helps you feel connected. We need to move away from this idea that just because we've been together for a period of time that our partner actually knows us. But I don't know about you, but I barely know what I need every single day. I, from moment to moment, I have no idea what I'm going to need. In the morning to, to lunchtime, I, my needs actually change. How is it possible for me to expect my partner to know what I need all the time. Like, I don't even know what that is. How could he possibly ever know what that actually is? That's an unrealistic expectation. So you need to dive into your own list of what it means to be connected and how do I feel connected in my relationship? What are these small things or even big things that I need to feel that? So I want you to think about not discounting the small things, you know, no different than um, when you invest money and they talk about compounding interest in relationships, small things are compounding over time. The small acts we can feel really cared for. Uh, we can feel really loved and safe and secure and very small acts. They don't always have to be these grandiose expressions of love and connection. They can be small things over time. It can be as something as simple as, having your partner make coffee for you. My partner makes coffee for me all the time on the weekends and it makes me feel loved and cared for. It's very, very simple. It's very, very small, but it has a lot of meaning to me. So things can't always be new and exciting all the time. I know it's like the disappointing thing about long-term relationships um, is that we lose that kind of excitement. Life is just really way too busy for us to be exciting all the time. If you're, you know, being really honest with yourself on all the time that you have and all the responsibilities you have in that time that you're trying to squeeze in, it's work, it's families, it's children, it's uh, parenting, it's, you know, being a sibling, having friendships, going out, doing things, driving people all over the place. Um, it's just, there's a lot that's going on with the, the time that you have. And we all get allocated the same amount of time in a day. So there's only so much that you can actually do. And we are way too busy to have a relationship that is exciting all the time for it to be, you know, that front end building excitement connected um, relationship. In the beginning, everything feels this way, but it's also not sustainable. Could you imagine maintaining the energy level that you had at the beginning of a relationship for the entirety of a relationship? That is just impossible. But it's also what we're told, you know, exciting love actually is, is this unrealistic sustainability. All relationships settle into a rhythm or kind of a flow. And what you do influences that flow. I influence the flow of my relationship. You influence the flow in your relationship. And you can change how you show up um, and how you influence that rhythm to feel a bit more connected. So I want you to think about how you could possibly show up just a little bit differently to create a little bit more connection in this relationship. And you don't really have to wait for your partner to take the first step. I know when there's been some conflict, we're always waiting for the person to make the first move. And I get it. That's a protective mechanism thing. That's a, I don't want to be a vulnerable and expose myself just in case that my partner doesn't reciprocate and I've exposed myself in this relationship. But I'm telling you, 
showing up, taking a small step towards building something that makes you feel a bit more connected or opening up a pathway to a conversation or an activity that makes you feel connected will help bring your partner into that space with you. Because this is the point of being a relationship is being with someone and being connected with someone. My third tip about building connection is to remember that connection is built in safety, not in chaos. I'm going to say that one more time because I think some people need to hear this is that connection is built in safety and it's not built in chaos. So conflict and disagreements are super normal in a relationship. And actually it's kind of an essential part of a building of a relationship because in conflict, we learn where the boundaries are. We learn what's okay and what isn't okay. We learn about each other's conflict styles. And the most important thing is we learn how to repair after conflict um, in relationships. So it's important to have conflict. Now, this isn't about being yelly and abusive, not that kind of behavior. I'm talking about having disagreements. And conflict can be different for different people. So you might want to think about what your definition of conflict is and how different it is from fighting. Um, because fighting necess isn't necessarily really healthy in relationships, but conflict actually is. And conflict is basically just a disagreement between two people. Now, I don't know about you, but conflict is, just happens around us all the time. And in conflict, we learn so much about another person. If we can open ourselves up to not fighting for to be right, so we're not right fighting, but we're actually having conflict in order to gain an understanding of somebody else. So it's sharing my perspective and also having someone share their perspective that may be a little bit different. Now, there can be really healthy patterns in conflict if there are some really clear guidelines or boundaries on how to navigate conflict, okay? So the metaphor I give with um, partnerships and also in friendships and family relationships and any kind of relationships is I encourage you to build a list of what's above the belt and what's below the belt. Now, the example I use is boxing. Okay. There are a lot of rules in boxing. I'm not sure if anyone's a boxing fan, but I grew up watching boxing because my dad loved boxing. So I know a lot about boxing, but there are rules on what is and isn't allowed in boxing. So what's, you know, below the belt and what isn't below the belt. And these rules keep boxers safe. So it keeps the participants of this engagement safe and it allows for equal engagement. So there's a understanding across the board of what the rules actually are. And we're going to engage within these rules. If the rules are broken, someone dings the bell, people separate, there's a break and we come back with the same understanding around the same rules. When there are no rules, then it's actually not boxing. It's like street fighting. Okay. Where like anything goes and the only goal is to injure the, per the other person as much as possible. That's really the only goal in a relationship. We need to box and we need to not street fight. So often conflict is framed as I'm going to hurt you because you've hurt me. And I'm going to hurt you as much as I possibly can because you've hurt me really badly. And there aren't any rules of engagement. So what I want you to do is I want you to set some some time aside with your partner to discuss the rules of engagement will be in your relationship. Now your rules are not going to be like everybody else's. Yours are going to be unique to your relationship because you are unique people. And I want you to write out what is and isn't allowed in conflict. Then when you're both in conflict, 
you both are holding up these standards, these rules of engagement and adhere to them. And if someone hits below the belt, then the conflict has to end. It gets pinned. Like someone dings the bell and you separate to separate corners. And then you take a break until you can come back to resume a respectful ways of engaging in conflict. Now, this is really important in connection because we often think that connection is framed in, you know, rainbows and butterflies, and it's always about love. And, and it is, and there's so much about connection that is about love, but connection can actually be built in the midst of conflict. And it creates safety in a relationship when you can create these rules of engagement around how to have conflict with each other, because it builds connection. Again, connection is built with safety. It's not just about how many small cracks there are in a foundation, but it's also about how we repair them. That's really, really important because no relationship is going to go through its history without any kind of cracks, but it's about how, how we go about repairing those cracks in a relationship that builds connection. So my last tip is about focusing on repair after we have a disconnection. Um, and I don't mean just the makeup sex. And what I mean is how to move away from disconnection into connection because disconnection can happen in a million small little things, you know, death by a thousand cuts, or it can be one big thing. And just like I asked you to define connection to begin with, I want you to think about defining disconnection and what that means to you. And I want you to write that out and I want you to have that conversation with your partner. So if I think about for myself, disconnection means having a bit of a feeling of loneliness, um, of kind of the sense of like reaching, but not feeling my partner being close to me, not just physically, but also emotionally. It means not having those kind of conversations that really matter. It means not really knowing how my partner feels. It's a sense of being far away, um, either physically or emotionally. So it's really important to define what it means to you and not get caught in finger pointing again. And I say this because we often get caught there. What it feels like to you is most likely to be very different than what it feels like for your partner to define it. So your, your definition of disconnection might be very different and that's totally okay. If there's no right or wrong answer to any of this, a relationship has to have space for both of you. And it actually does. A relationship has tons of space for both of you. And a healthy relationship needs both of your definitions in order to be thriving and loving or else one person feels like they're not their needs are not getting met or they're not being heard now repair can be really as simple as positive affirmations or pointing out positive things which is interesting is you know dr john and dr julie gottman who are the relationship researchers um in the us and have many many books that have been written about it have found in the research that it takes about 20 positive affirmations to heal the impact of one negative criticism 20 to 1. how good are you at that ratio I know I haven't always been good at that and it's taken years of learning to get to that place and trust me that it works. So not only does it help repair connection in a relationship, but it also has this power to shift your mindset a little bit when you're focusing on all the um, amazing or positive characteristics or attributes of your partner, your partner, the person that you chose, the person that you chose to be in relationship with, it's easier to show up with more love and connection than point you know, focusing and pointing out all the negative things. So I want you to think a little bit about that ratio. Um, Sharon, thank you so much for your question. It was, you know, super lovely to have you ask questions about 
um, how to build connection. And I hope that you found this episode helpful with some of the tips, you know, focusing on the foundation of your relationship, challenging social expectations of what it's supposed to look like or what it should or shouldn't be and defining connection and disconnection for yourself and your partner. This is a great episode to share with your partner. Okay. It's a great way to get the conversation started. You don't have to start it. You can just send them this episode and I actually start the conversation for you by listening to this. So emotional intimacy is based on mutual conversation. So sharing parts of ourselves with our partner, that is the, you know, that is the best way to keep things interesting and exciting. You are an evolving human. Okay. And so is your partner, whether you've been together for a year or for 20 years, you are not the same person you were when you met and neither is your partner. This is a really great opportunity to grow and connect by getting to know each other a little bit more deeply. And that's really exciting. It's kind of bringing back some of that dating experience, that dating energy of being radically curious about your partner and not sitting in a place of assuming that you know what they're thinking or what they're going to say or how they're going to be. There, you know, there is growth that happens with people and people have different ideas and they read things and they expose themselves to new things. And we just need to get a little bit curious. So share this episode with your partner and have a conversation about connection and what disconnection actually looks like in your relationship. I hope you found this episode helpful and integrate some of these tips into your relationships. And if you think someone in your life would benefit from this, please feel free to share them. You know, hop on over to social, let me know what you think and how you're interacting with some of these content. If you brought it up with your partner or not, love to hear from you. Thank you for being part of this meaningful conversation today. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe and follow button on your preferred platform. Your support fuels our growth, enables us to even reach more listeners just like you. This show wouldn't be possible without you. It just wouldn't. I'm here because of you and the questions that you're submitting. So take a quick look at our show notes for a convenient link on how you can submit your question for a chance to be featured on our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for being part of the Mental Makeover community. And until next time, be bold, be brave, be well.